please note, we are not giving expert medical advice. Our content is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis or treatment. If you do need to talk to someone, please look in the show notes where you'll find helpline phone numbers. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Series 2, Episode 7 of We Are All A Bit Mental. It's a chat show where we aim to question and challenge the rather wonderfully complex and often slippery subject of mental health. I'm Neil Harrington, and today, as always, I'm here with Lynn Ferguson and Chesney Hawks. Hello, everybody. Hello, everybody. Hello. Oh, hello welcome. Guys. Welcome. Please hello, come right? sit on the couch. On with the couch, us. absolutely. This yeah. week, our topic is yeah. what Join is us, normal. And joining us, <laughs> what? Is that, what's he? <laughs> mumbling away. I'm just mumbling. I'm just mumbling. <laughs> Interrupting you for the just for the sake Do of it. Do you know it. what you were mumbling? Tell you me. were mumbling. Somebody here smells of sausages. Somebody here smelling about sausages. Now that you mention me. it, Lynn, it's what me. is that smell? <laughs> I don't know. I cooked some sausages, and I, I literally I feel either that it's normal that when you cook sausages, you smell a bit sausagey afterwards. Or maybe I'm being haunted by the ghost of somebody who brings... The ghost of the sausage. ectoplasm smells of sausage. have a slight Cumberland whiff around here. Is that a, is that a <laughs> euphemism again? Are we are we are we back to that or not? No, no, I Just, no, okay. no, I literally smell of square well, slice. <laughs> and if you were Scottish, you would know what that is. Well, look, I'm glad we've got that in because this week <laughs> our topic is actually not what our sausage is. <laughs> what is normal is our subject matter today. Our sausage is normal. <laughs> and joining us for a bit for a chat about her own personal version of normal will be. Commi- Actually, this is interesting. So, do I introduce Gina? Am I going to introduce Gina as comedian, Gina Bloom? Or am I going to introduce her as trans comedian, Gina Bloom? Because to me, that's a little bit like saying, and here is heterosexual sound engineer, producer, DJ, Neil Harrington. It's irrelevant, isn't it? I had no idea you were heterosexual. (laughs) (laughs) News to me as well. I'm a little disappointed. News to me, to be honest. (laughs) (laughs) I'm still getting used to it. (laughs) It's news to Karen as well. (laughs) (laughs) It's just kind of struck me, that whole thing about inclusiveness, trying to be inclusive. Do you mention something... And yeah, just I don't. I'm I'm confused. I don't quite know how I, what I should and shouldn't do, or how I, I should think of something. I guess it's that thing about relevance, though, isn't it? Is it about relevance? Because if I was introducing Gina Bloom, right, I'd go, uh, I'm going to introduce my pal yeah, Gina she's Bloom, a comedian, right? Yeah, because yeah. that's the information. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I guess it's as as weird as like Chess. How many times do you get? Well, now coming up, we got the one and only. <laughs> really? Yeah, it just gets a bit. Right? Yeah. I don't know. A few, a few million times. I, I, I don't know. I, my suspicion will be that Gina Bloom would go, yeah, whatever. That she would yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, it's so irrelevant. Yeah, like you say, it's so irrelevant, isn't it? Yeah. And she has, she's got a very, very dry... I'm really looking forward to meeting Gina later because she has such a dry sense of humour. And yeah, um, She makes me she laugh. Is, yeah, she's funny. But so we have a subject matter today of what is normal mm. and this is one of my own personal little favourites, this. So a couple of episodes back, Lynn, I think it, I think it was the Kate mm. Copstick episode and you said you wanted to reclaim the word extreme. Yes. Now, I want to reclaim the phrase, I just want to be normal, mm. because it's something that is banded about so much. I hear it all the time. To be fair, I think I'm guilty as saying it. And, and it actually doesn't mean anything, does it? It's, it's just a, a meaningless phrase. And maybe as a starting point, 
That's, maybe that's a good point to start this. When people do say that phrase, I just want to be normal, what do they actually mean? So is it like, I, I no. want to stop mm. hurting, I want to be accepted, um, I, mm. I want... Uh, I want the same opportunities as as other have. I mean, it, yeah. it's just it's words and a phrase I think that are used um, and not thought about. And a lot really. of people are saying uh, now through the pandemic is it is is all about the new normal or I can't wait till it goes back to normal. You know, I mean, yeah. what is normal? That's the thing, isn't it's it? Funny actually. Have I told this story already? I probably have because I'm getting you know. <laughs> I'm getting old and you know, I've got too many chickens. And I smell, and smell of sausages. Of sausages. <laughs> I smell of sausages, I'm distracted. No, when, like at the beginning of 2020, they, uh, they found cancer. I found cancer. Well, I didn't personally find cancer. A surgeon found cancer again. And so I ended up having to go to uh, radiotherapy, yeah. right? And um, had radiotherapy for like 12 weeks, something like that. It was like quite a lot of stuff. And mm. it, but it started in March 2020, right? And uh, so then I'd travel every day to the place to get the radio thing, mm. right? But during it, and I was all burnt and everything, and uh, uh, we were sitting outside one day, Mark and I, and I said, oh, my God. I said, I, I, just, I just want things to be normal yeah. again. I want to be out there enjoying the pandemic just like everybody else. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> yeah. that sounds really normal, doesn't it? I maximum yeah. value from this pandemic, yeah. <laughs> I wonder if I want to be normal really means uh, I feel a bit isolated. Certainly when I said I wanted to be normal, it meant I feel a bit isolated. I need to connect, but I don't know how. I think it means that, you know, for me, when people say that, I mean, I'm sure it's different for everyone, but it means that I want things to go to, to just be not so crazy, not not as crazy as they are right now. I don't want to be, yeah. I don't want to yeah. be as stressed as I am. I don't want to, uh, you know, be taken out of my comfort zone. I, I want my lover to love me again. Yeah. It's, normal is what people think is like, is happiness almost yeah. it's like go back to go back to a time when you were happy or you were comfortable um i guess that's what i think that most content people think when they say happiness content. and contentment yeah yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely yeah. but of course next up we're, we're going to have gina and we're going to hear about a version of normal that is probably going to be very alien to most people right so and and that's normal to gina some you people know? i think actually gina gina's childhood is <laughs> <laughs> it's hilarious i hope she talks right. about that um because <clears throat> how I met her is we were working together on a, a show. Um, her her life is quite extraordinary, actually. But I, I guess there's a thing about... I don't know. It, you know, coming back to your question, actually, about how to introduce yeah. her or whatever, I wonder if everything in life comes down to uh, labels. Yes. That if I, if, if yeah, I'm, of course. If this yeah. is familiar to me, it is normal. If it is unfamiliar to me, it is yeah, abnormal. Because yeah. Yeah. Um, actually, I have to say, I think uh, Gina is probably one of the most normal, or more normal people I've yeah. met. Although yeah. on paper, she probably isn't. <laughs> But yeah. in life, she totally is, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. she is hilarious. Oh, I can't wait to meet her. Well, look, oh, here we go. It. Ticks on. We are going to be joined with <laughs> Gina Bloom, the other side of the sting. Woohoo! Well, we'll see you there, people. <laughs> 
And are you in a wind tunnel by any chance, Gina? Just, your hair's like oh, going yeah, like, no, I, you know, like Beyonce. It's and been like, a long commercial shoot all day. Constantly have my own wind machine. This, yeah. this hair, this hair has earned me two commercials uh, in the past year. I did one for I did one for Pantene. I did one for a mental health app. Now this is the hair of mental health. <laughs> I mean, you don't achieve anything else in your Gina life. Gina Bloom, the hair of mental health. Exactly right. You've done it, right? That's <laughs> it. I did it. You're going to mention sausages again. I cooked some sausages before we recorded it, and I swear, even though I'm talking, right, <laughs> I'm just very aware that I smell of sausages, right? And what it does is a friend of mine who works, and he's an actor, but he always does police dramas, yeah. right? As he says, the major technique that you need as an actor in police dramas, is that, did somebody fart? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he said that, that that is the thing, right? So I feel like I'm doing police drama, but only over sausages. So one of the reasons that I wanted you on this, right, is because I feel like whenever I'm doing anything weird or mm -hmm. interesting, I've always got Gina Bloom involved, <laughs> right? It's just you're like, oh no, it's Ferguson oh, no. on the phone again. What does she what want? What next? Right? What next, indeed. <laughs> But one of the reasons that I love this podcast, aside from the fact that I, I'm sort of, I've got my wee adopted brothers here, is that um, it's we have the ability on this to talk about quite serious things in a way that's light-hearted, that's not like textbooky, mm -hmm. medically, you know, uh, frightening. And actually, I feel that that's how you've taught me about uh, trans life. Right, because I've asked you questions yeah. in the studio that have been frankly insulting, right? <laughs> and you've been like, oh, okay. I don't right? know if it's they're insulting, but they have, they have asked the questions or two. Yes, I wouldn't call them insulting. If they were insulting, I would have let you I'm know. I'm sure you would. <laughs> yeah, even if we're pals. So each episode has a sort of theme, right? And the theme that <laughs> the reason I thought of you for this theme uh, was because they came up with the theme of what is normal. And I was like, but that's a totally objective thing. Yeah. Right? It's it's not a subjective, subjective yeah. thing. So I thought that you would be kind of cool to discuss what is normal in terms of, not in terms of being trans, but in terms of working in the technology industry. In the technology business? Yeah, it's, you know, I work in the sales organization in the technology business. So, yeah, it, I don't think it's any different than any other sales uh, facing organization, except there's a lot more like techie broy stuff going on. People, people will will laugh about lines of code, like "ha ha, this line of code is is whack." I'm like, okay, it's <laughs> very in in. Yeah, and I'm one of the more technical uh, people on, on in my part of the staff, and it's like, that's the state of normality. Yeah, it gets a little dorky. <laughs> well, you were in technology, I can see that. You have a weird story about your work, though. Can you tell oh. it, or is it too much? No, not at all. Um, yeah, uh, like Lynn mentioned, I, I am a trans lady, and, you know, I had been working out at a tech company in L.A. Uh, before I transitioned, and... Um, I was working there maybe three or four years, and I had eventually got to the point where uh, I wasn't performing at the level that, that I wanted to be at and that they wanted me to be at, and I was living out of state, and eventually they, they let me go. Um, fast forward, uh, oh man, 
eight years, six, seven, eight years, years later, I, I moved back to L.A. And, um, and I'm just looking for work, you know, because I, I have like a severance package. My, my old job laid me off. It, wasn't, it was just a downturn in the media business in New York. And I wanted to come back to L.A. I, I, I hadn't been in L.A. as a lady. And I was like, you know what? I missed out. I want to do L.A. right. Because, <laughs> you know, when, when you think of, you know, L.A., it's like, what a great place to, to be a lady, <laughs> you know? <laughs> such a, I can imagine. Such a, I haven't tried such a it. positive experience women have out here. So... I don't know why I disagree. I'm covered yeah. in sausage yeah. this morning and not in a good But, way. you know, hey, that's LA for you. Sometimes you get covered in sausage. <laughs> Especially in Van Ois. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's coming down to my level now. This is good. Yeah. So I came back out here, and uh, on a whim, I saw that the place that I'd been fired from was hiring a very similar position to the one that I worked at in New York. And, like, wouldn't that be funny? What a story that would be. <laughs> And um, and I ended up getting uh, an interview with uh, the company. It was this recruiter at the corporate office in Sunnyvale. She had never heard of me, but she set me up at the L.A. office with uh, the manager of this team. And it was a guy that I knew. Like, he knew me. <laughs> and I was like, well, this is fun. This is interesting. <laughs> Did he didn't recognize No, he you. did not. No, I went in for the interview. It was great. Really? He going to interview. He was like, wow, you're exactly what we're looking for. I'm looking at your resume. Was he the one that let you go originally? <laughs> no, he, he was not. He like Originally, I didn't even work in the sales department. Worked in another department. Worked in the worked in right. a totally different area. But I had, since I left, I had, I had kind of moved up my skill set, and I had kind of gone um, a bit more uh, technical. So I was finally worthy of this department, you know, six, seven years later. And he's like, wow, you're, you're great. Like, what did you do here? And I'm like, well, you know, I worked in this other department. And he's like, I, I don't remember you. And I'm like, well, I do. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then he brings in this other guy that, um, that is like the senior position. Like, it's a it's basically a department within a department. He brings in this other guy. He's the senior member of the team that I'm interviewing for. And he starts talking about, um, you know, like, wow, you were here back in the day, blah, blah, blah. And he had come on, he'd come aboard during the time when I was still working there, but I, I had moved away. So we had never physically met, but there right. was like maybe a six or seven month overlap uh, in our terms of employment, and he's like, "Hey, do you remember this this guy?" And then he mentions he mentions me. <laughs> <laughs> he says my name to me, and he's like, "Do you remember this person?" Like, kind of screwed things up. I'm like, "Yeah." <laughs> <laughs> I, I believe we. What a brilliant. I believe, uh, yeah, I believe our paths have crossed. We may have met. Yes, yes, I do. <laughs> and. Um, and like I'm talking to the boss, and he's like, "Man, he's like, wow, that was awesome. I'm definitely gonna recommend you." But then, um, but then, then like maybe a week later, they call back and they're like, "You know what? Um, we think you're great, but we we found your old boss, and he remembers you, the one that had fired me." And it's like, "I'm like, yeah, it's kind of a funny story, isn't it?" Um, <laughs> so. <laughs> 
So I, you know, I I talked to my to the guy that I interviewed with. I explained to him what the deal was. I told him that there were some extenuating circumstances, obviously, and um, and like he got he he was like, you know what? He's like he like I ended up coming back to the office for follow up. Uh, he met he introduced me to some other of the people on the team. No no one else I recognized. But then we're like talking outside. Um, by like the volleyball court. This is the tech business, so we have volleyball courts at, at the office, oh, as one sense. does. And um, <laughs> he's like, you know what? I'm gonna recommend you. I know it's gonna be hard, but like, he gets he gets really like serious. He's like, but you know, my father um, was the first commander of the one of the first integrated military units. Uh, so I feel like I would be doing the same thing, and I'm like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> just just looking for a job, my friend, but all right. <laughs> Thanks for making it about you. <laughs> yeah, yeah however, however it works for you. But he, he was, see, I don't mind being a little bit of like, you know, someone's, someone's, uh, whatever what you know i i think his heart was pure i know his heart was pure because he because you know mm. spoiler alert I, I i got the job i worked there uh to, in fact i'm in fact i just finished a meeting with all the guys just right before we came on that's why i had to start a little late um and he ended up giving me like a raise compared to what i was making before like I almost twice as much money compared to what i was making before when I, when they fired me in the first place so you know obviously I fixed feminism somehow. Yeah. <laughs> you fixed, I fixed it. it. Yeah. I proved that women are worth twice as much as men. <laughs> yeah, That's great. So here we are. So much for the pay gap, yeah. huh? Yeah. <laughs> One of the things that I love about you, and there are many, um, is that uh, I think you're really patient yeah. with people. Yeah, I guess. Sure. Where do you think that comes from? Do you think it's just part of your your natural DNA to be patient? I think it was because of how I was raised. I was raised by um, two, uh, you know, since uh, since we're talking about mental health here, I was, I was raised by two parents that had um, had undiagnosed, uh, pretty serious mental issues. They tried their best, and and I got along great with both of them. Neither one knew that I had transitioned because they both passed away uh, years before I did. But when they were alive, I, I had found a way to get, uh, you know, along with them. But my father was uh, very much uh, uh, bipolar. Um, in fact, was hospitalized for it on, on, on several occasions. This was back before they really understood it. And in the, year, and then in the final year of her life, my mother was diagnosed as schizophrenic. Um, There's a yeah, couple for you. Yeah, yeah, there's a couple for you. But, like, and I... I tell the story, and I was telling this story as actually just starting to develop it right before the pandemic happened. And like, my mother was Filipino, and like, my dad was like this southern, like, redneck type. And he was, and like, so we were raised in the South, because um, that's where they lived. And like, my mother was schizophrenic, but like, all of her kids were these like backwoods southerners, and we just thought that's how, how Filipinos acted. We just thought that's that was just like. <laughs> we just, <laughs> was like, These damn foreigners sure are weird, and like, <laughs> uh, you know, 
Now it's so queer as fuck. Yeah, right? yeah, exactly. It's like, oh, 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 that explains a lot. Yeah. Yeah, that checks out. You're right, Doc. Who knew? Like, because we do this show, Neil's in uh, England, mm-hmm. and Ches and I are here. Uh, people have an idea of what America is, mm-hmm. of what an American is. Like over there, in the same way that Americans have an idea of what a British person yeah. is, what, mm. like usually it's Hugh Grant, yeah. right? Hugh Grant and Olivia yeah. Coleman. But what is normal for you? Yeah, yeah. You know what I, I mean, mean I've, I've lived all over the country and I've had you know pretty pretty elaborate life. So normal's normal's a moving target for me. And I think, and I think what you know, I've I've been I've had hard times and I've had pretty good times. In fact, the last five years have been pretty great. Um. But they're not, not every day is great. And I think just to circle back to what you asked me originally about being patient, well, it was because my parents tried their best, but they were, they were very volatile people. And, um, and like I was often the peacemaker because I was the middle child. So I, I guess I learned to be patient from that. And, you know, having a family that moved around a lot and having a family with sort of like two sides of, um, you know, mental illness, Normalcy growing up, you know, was found in small little areas, right? Like, I, I found it in watching movies. I found it in, like, going out for a ride on my bike and things like that. And a lot of it turned out to be very sort of insular. Um, and, you know, being closeted trans kind of, kind of fed into that. I was already sort of, you know, sort of raised on my own. And... Only in the past, like, five or six years have I really become, like, a, like a real full-fledged, you know, citizen of the world. Even though prior to that, I definitely had, a, like, a, a very elaborate life. You know, I've had all kinds of strange things happen. But I didn't feel completely in it until, until I transitioned. But, uh, you know, the, that, those lessons, it wasn't a complete waste of time because, you know, I still have, and obviously the past year has been trying on everybody and you know it's weird because my defense mechanism was solitude and then in the past year I got nothing but Mm. like you know all of a sudden the thing that I would do to sort of retreat for my mental my own mental well-being was the one thing everybody had to do (laughs) and like now I feel like I'm kind of over that. Like now, I I, I really just want to get out into the mix with people and just be very social and like be among people and mm. be out there. And I'm just waiting for you know moving to Hollywood. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I'm moving close to my people. <laughs> by you know my comedy people, I'll be close to the the clubs and where the where the shows are when they re- when they resume. And I I wanted to move to a place where I could walk comfortably to to restaurants and shopping and like hang out with my friends. Sure. Yeah. I have four siblings. Um, I don't talk to three of them that are in Florida all that much. Well, they're in Florida. That's the thing. Well, that's the reason. Florida. It's complicated. <laughs> it's complicated. Florida, you know, it's a tough place. Um, <laughs> and like, uh. like uh, you know, Lynn and I had been working on uh, a show of mine before the pandemic. And I talked a lot about my, my little sister's wedding. And that was the first time I'd seen her. And uh, what what I'm finding now is that my little niece is now getting married sometime uh, in another year or so, and that will be another wedding for my family to to reunite on. So I will probably see the, my three siblings for the first time in a while. 
two of them since the first time since I've transitioned for my niece's wedding. My little brother, though, we, we're tight. He just moved to Vermont. He bought a house um, and a car, you know, He's and he's trans, too. So he's living the American dream up in up in oh, Vermont wow. so two in the you. same family yeah. yeah that's interesting yeah like I said we, we've had we've had an interesting life yes. there was a thing about uh, genetics that was written mm -hmm. down about the chromosomes and everything yeah and how close we are to being either gender yeah that it isn't that set you know what I mean and so like it I think that the fact that there's two out of five of you mm -hmm. in your family who are trans yeah. is a little bit like, you know, two out of five of you have got, like, yeah. brown hair or, God forbid, or ginger. Like, nobody wants to be ginger, yeah, but somebody, somebody has, has to be. Right? Yeah, sure. Uh, yeah, I, I don't think it's such a <laughs> big thing in that sense. And, I, you know, I'm mm -hmm. kind of beside the point when it comes to, you know, what is the origination of all of this, except in insofar as it lets bigots try and, like, regulate us you know like well if it's genetics and we can just you know crisper you out or whatever uh, um oh, yeah, I yeah like i'm not yeah. really concerned about where it all comes from for me and like i'm just happy with what i'm doing and i'm not hurting anybody so no matter what yeah cruise in florida i have to say but also i have to say the weirdest things about you bloom are not that you're trans no. that's not that's quite that's yeah. the normal part the other bits <laughs> The bits where your mind yeah. goes, that's the bits where you're like, yeah. oh, that's yeah, a bit that's strange. A bit, um, yeah, that was a bit odd, sure. Yeah, I agree. Left field, I but agree. you know. Totally agree with that. So your niche is you talk about transgendered experiences on stage, mm -hmm. right? Uh, yeah, there's some degree. And you say you're on a mission. Sure. Would I be right in saying, I hope I've got this right, because otherwise I've really f***ed it for tonight, haven't I, gang? Because I've got two out of two wrong, so yeah. fingers crossed. <laughs> <laughs> We're all pulling for you, Neil. Yeah, come on, Neil. You can so do it. So my research <laughs> tells me that you're on a mission to make comedy as inclusive as you can. Yeah, I, d I do. You got it. You got it, Neil. Oh, you got fuck it. For that. Um, Jesus. <laughs> you know, it, it, I mean, it's not as complicated as it probably sounds when I when I say it on like in like interviews. I'd like to make people laugh, right? And then people, I get. Sh I get on a show at the Improv in Hollywood, or I get on a show, you know, at some lesbian bookstore. My my main mission is to make whoever shows up for that show laugh as much as they can, and that's not always going to be the same thing. You can't necessarily tell the jokes in the same way. You can't. You know, sometimes you have to clean up your language. Whatever. I mean, that's fine as long. I'm an entertainer. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm a traveling clown, as we like to say. So, um, <laughs> so mostly I'm concerned with entertaining the audience, and I find that I do a pretty good job. Like I've, I've only had a few really hostile experiences um, from people who were they in particular places? Yeah, yeah, Central Pennsylvania. I, I, had, a, I had a rough run there. I was, I was featuring for a conservative comic. It was a very strange experiment we were having. <laughs> So, <laughs> so you know, featuring is like a half hour when you're doing the road. The headliner does an hour. So I was doing a half hour to warm up an hour of, like, conservative comedy. Is there such a thing? So it's like opening for Alex Jones. I mean, a little bit. He wasn't that bad. You know, the guy was fine. In fact, he was he was so happy to have a trans person to drink with. He was, I mean, he was politically conservative. But this was back when the Freddie Mercury movie had come out. And he was so excited to talk to me about Freddie Mercury. He's like, Freddie Mercury's like my favorite <laughs> singer. I'm like, cool, man. 
That's a great opener, isn't it, eh? <laughs> right. Right on. He's pretty good. I agree. Yeah. Where do you go from there, though? Those well, you just, you just sort of you laugh it off and you find... Yeah, I also like Freddie Mercury. <laughs> I just needed someone to then come out of the woodwork and go, you two should go out on a date. Yeah. You both like yeah. Freddie Mercury. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You both like Freddie Mercury, so cool. So we were able to get drunk in central Pennsylvania and talk about Freddie Mercury, and, you know, it, that was fine. He was great. I have a, You know, I've generally had mostly positive experiences. I was interviewed for a documentary on women in comedy, and the interviewer was like, have you had a lot of experience with sexual harassment? And I'm like, no, not really. And I, I think, you know, on the one hand, there's not a lot of quid pro quo people asking me because um, cause I've been, you know, I've been relatively new. And I think that a lot of these like straight guys are are worried that if they sexually harass me, the word will get out because I will tell. And then it wasn't so much that they're worried about being sexual harassers. They just don't want to be known as, you know, someone who's into trans ladies. And, and yeah. I was like, yeah, I, I, you know. And then the other half of that was that they don't even bother to, to give me, like, an offer. They just straight up proposition me. Like, they don't even care. Like, I don't even warrant an offer because, you know, I'm trans. Like, oh, well, yeah, she'll do it. Whatever. Who cares? <laughs> so that has been, that's been, like, the most negative experience I've had in comedy was just these men that don't even bother to give me an offer. They just expect me to be down to, like, hook up with them. But that's comedy. I, it, it, it is comedy. It absolutely is, and I'm working on that. It's like they don't even no. bother. Like, yeah. Because when I worked in stand-up, I'd always, it was all, I'd always go into a room, and it was just like, you go into the dressing room, be, and if you saw another woman there, you'd be like, oh, hooray. Yeah. Hooray, hello. And then you go into a, a dressing room and uh, the boys, at that time, there was a, an agency that was very big at the time that everybody wanted to be part of, which was like this agency called Off the Curb mm -hmm. and they liked all their guys to wear suits and ties. So you go into... Um, <laughs> no boys club. Some, well, it was a little bit like walking into the civil service sometimes. You know what I mean? You'd be like, they're all in suits and ties and everybody's like vying to be over. But the the thing with uh, comedy is it's it's sort of fascinating because of course there's sexism in comedy oh, yeah. that sure. like yeah. there's you know and but there's sexism in everywhere. But I always thought, and I don't know whether you agree with this or what your experience is of this as a woman, but like that I found that place in comedy you've always got the opportunity of going f yeah. you right. Or if someone harasses you, then you can talk about them on stage. If you're going on next, then you can talk about them. And so, like, you know... Oh, yeah, I've totally game. done that, too. But yeah, for absolutely, people, yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah me too. Yeah. When I'm like, oh, the guy that's coming on next? Yeah. Well, let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> that's a war. Yeah. Yeah. But the, the, for people who are, like, I guess, like, in the tech industry or people who are in offices or people who are in places where there isn't the opportunity to speak, I mean, maybe I'm generalising mm -hmm. hugely. Again, I come back to the subject of what is normal. But the, the stuff with... Uh, I'm not at all surprised that you're a stand-up comic. I wonder if you'd transitioned earlier on, whether you would have been a stand-up comic earlier. You know, um, a lot of people, you know, a lot of stand-ups, a lot of people in general be like, they hear their friends like you should try stand-up like that's 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 such a cliche there's even shows that are called that you should try stand-up and of course i heard that um growing up and in as a you know comedy writer because i it's not that i just sort of stumbled into stand-up as on a whim necessarily because i i had been writing 
I just didn't want to perform. Like, that was the difference, was that, you know, pre-transition, I didn't want to be seen, I didn't want to be out there. I didn't feel like I had anything particularly relevant to say, and then all of that changed with transition. So it wasn't so much that I just, you know, I randomly came to stand-up. I, uh, you know, I, I'd been making comedy in one form or another for, you know, since I was a kid. Um, and I'd always been pretty good at public speaking, and I had done, you know, in the in the business community, I'd been a technical trainer and things like that, and I'd always been pretty funny about it. So, like, I was very used to public speaking, and, you know, I was a little older than most stand-ups when they started, so I'd been through shit. And, yeah, yeah. yeah you had more about. to talk about, and you're more comfortable <laughs> with just sort of being out there, because life had already f***ed <laughs> you over, you know, 10 or 20, 30 times by then, so, like... Doing some public speaking was not a big deal. So I don't I don't know if I would have, to answer your question, Lynn, if I would have done stand-up uh, anyway because I, I didn't have a desire to perform or, or a desire to say something. Like, my writing before was very speculative and it was just sort of like, you know cut for my for my imagination not so much my experience. I just I wonder because like I think you look like who you are yeah no yeah right true. and it's hard to then write a stand-up set when you don't look like who you are if the inside of your body doesn't match the outside right. of your body then how can you tell a story mm. from your point of view yeah right? and I'm sure that there are, are plenty of like trans people in comedy right now that are untransitioned and would love to, you know, perform as the person that they are, but for whatever reason, choose not to. And in fact, I know a lot of stand-ups that are that transitioned while doing comedy, so they had to change, significantly change their act during that time. The other reason I wouldn't be able to transition, just so you know, is because it seems to be very painful. <laughs> you know, like there's uh, a lot of surgery that goes on, which is painful. I mean, undoubtedly worth it. Yeah, right? sure. I mean, for me, there was surgery. Uh, you're hearing the result of my vocal cord surgery, which I'm still a little breathless and my voice is still weak and I cannot sing along to the car radio very well, which is, as a half Filipino, is my favorite thing in the world to do. <laughs> but, um, of course. but that, yeah. I think the hardest part about the vocal cord surgery was because I did it during COVID, and it was surgery to my vocal cords, that I kept confusing the recovery with COVID. Like, oh, I'm having a hard time breathing. Yeah. Is it COVID? Oh, no, I had surgery. Yeah. It made me extra paranoid right. for that first month. Like... Mm. Every little thing that my voice did, I, f I thought, could be COVID. Oh, no. But here I am. It's also incredibly isolating. Yeah, I couldn't talk for a month. It was, it was kind of annoying. And, like, I was really upset because I was like, this is a perfect opportunity to just to, like, hook up with a bunch of hot random dudes and not have to talk to them. Like, <laughs> 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 yeah. But, like, let them do, let the, them talking. do the talking. Yeah. Men are very comfortable doing the talking, by the way. That's, that was not yes. going to be an impediment. It was just like, I have a perfect excuse not to bother. But um, COVID, you know, just stood in the way. It's killed half a million people, but more importantly, it prevented me from getting laid. So. Yeah, yeah. You know the thing that I'm very envious of, though, because I have that thing of COVID mirror, which I've talked about before, which is... I'm really bored of seeing myself, yeah. right? So I look in the mirror and I'm like, oh my God, it's you yeah. again. And actually on a bad day, I look in the mirror and I'm like, 
because I think it, my Auntie Greta is stalking me. I'm like, oh my God, there's my Auntie Greta, right? But for you, it must feel kind of awesome because every day you get to be a bit more I, Yeah, I kind of, but also I also get tired of me. Like, I get, and I'm awesome, don't get me wrong. <laughs> I'm pretty great, but I still get tired of me. And not so much the, my, my reflection in the mirror. Um, I never get tired of that. <laughs> no, I, I get tired of like, you know, like my own shit, like my own, you know, concerns. Like, oh no, what am I going to do? Um, am I going to start booking shows? When is this going to happen? How's my job going to work out? Da, da, da. Well, it's and I get broken so, record, isn't it, in your own head? Yeah, I mean, God, I can relate it's to that. Like, right. And, then, and because nothing has happened for a year, or very little has happened, you just get you get tired of it, you get bored of yourself. So the, like, I think people just end up doing things they weren't considering because they're just so bored. But like, I, I also Absolutely. can't complain too much because even with COVID, I ended up having a, a pretty good career year. Like I had to change a lot of my plans. Like Lynn and I were going to go to, to Scotland in August, but that, We'll go. We'll go to Scotland. We'll be going. You and it's me. It's not going anywhere. We'll be having dinner. They just sent me an email today saying, are you coming in August? I'm like, hell no. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about? There's no way in hell coming there in August. Um, you know, I, I uh, a TV commercial comes out in June on CNBC. So, you know, hey, I had a pretty good year just, you know, farting around the apartment for a while. So I'm hoping that even though I, you know, even though I didn't have much going on, I still managed to come out on top. I'm hoping that next year will be even better. That's what I'm kind of living for right now. I, I think it brings up that discussion about what is normal when we talk about going back to normal. That actually going back to normal is that sometimes it's like you said, Gina. Sometimes normal is just yeah. shit. <laughs> yeah. I personally believe it's always a Tuesday. Mm -hmm. When it's a shit day, it's always a Tuesday. <laughs> Tuesdays are just generally yeah. shit days, yeah. right? Yeah. But going back to normal is acknowledging that uh, things are not always yeah. right. Sometimes things are a bit shit. I, I think that, um, I th you know, like, I, like I say, with working with Gina has been really interesting for me because um, if someone were to ask me about Gina, I wouldn't say trans was the first like, adjective I would use. I'd go, she's funny. Hot. Hot, she's hot. I'm just some boring old lady with, like, a nice comforter. That's it. That's with all. <laughs> yes, Gina, um, every week we have our a little musical mm -hmm. interlude. And we have our guests choose a, a song for whatever reason gives them happy emotions or feelings. So would you please tell the listeners uh, and us what you've gone for. So, uh, I picked Cupid by Sam Cooke. Um, I, it's a little bit of a cheap because I, I hadn't heard the song in like maybe 20 years or so. Um, yeah. And then I just sort of like, I watched the movie uh, One Night in Miami and they had Sam Cooke was a character in that. So I, so I downloaded right. a bunch of, or, or I liked a bunch of his stuff on my Spotify. And I just started playing this song and like it just sort of, like I was just bopping to it, so I'm trying to sing along to Sam Cooke. He's hard to follow. Not gonna lie, man. He, yeah. you know what? Sam Cooke is probably one of the greatest voices yeah. in you know music history. So thank you for for putting that one yeah. on and 
because I I had I had to recreate it. So, uh, would you like to hear my version that I've created just for you? I Gina? would love it. Oh. Please. Here we have uh, Chesney play. Hawks performing Cupid just for you, Gina. Thank you. your bow and let your arrow go straight to my lover's heart for me for me Cupid please hear my cry and let your arrow fly straight to my lover's heart for me now I don't mean to bother you, but I'm in distress There's danger of me losing all of my happiness For I love the girl who doesn't know I exist And this you can't fix So, Cupid, draw back your bow And let your arrow go Straight to my lover's heart for me but me Cupid please hear my cry and let your arrow fly straight to my lover's heart for me now Cupid if your arrow makes a love strong for me I promise I will love her until eternity I know between the two of us her heart we can steal Help me if you will So, Cupid, draw back your bow And let your arrow go Straight to my lover's heart For me, for me Cupid, please hear my cry And let your arrow fly Straight to my lover's heart for me Cupid, don't you hear me calling you? I need you Cupid, help me I need you Don't fail me, Cupid There you go, Chesney Hawks performing Ooh. Cupid. Thank you, Chess. Yay. Well, thank Yay. you. I am virtually through the pants. Again, Lynn. Again, again. I have a whole collection of Lynn's pants in the back. Uh, Can Gina, you show you yours, you please, Lynn? I'm already not wearing any, but... Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'd be remiss not to mention this, and I, I hope it remains true by the time this airs, but I'm actually dating a, a British guy who's very into British music, and I'm going to let him know that uh, an actual British pop star serenaded me on this <laughs> oh, on yeah. this podcast just just to, yeah. just to make him jealous a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Use me. Gina, thank you so much for giving us your time. You're oh, hilarious God. and a fascinating guest. And also a little bit magic. Oh well thank yeah. you. You guys are awesome. Thank you. I hope to see well I hope to see all of you, but I think I have a better chance of seeing Lynn and Chesney. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Yes, that's true. I hope to see all of you at some point. Oh, you are magic, Gina Bloom. Thank you. You were Thank a wee gift that we needed on. to do. Thank yeah. you for having me. 
Have a good day, y'all. Lots you of too. love, Gina. Bye. Bye. No, but Gina's one of those people that um, that if I hang out with and have a cup of tea, even though, I don't know if you know this, but the way that she drinks tea is, like, completely disgusting. Why? <laughs> what is she, how does she drink tea? Well, she puts milk in peppermint tea. Uh, oh, no, that's just wrong. I think you mentioned that, is... that before. Yeah. That's not normal. No. However, what I would say is that uh, what I uh, get from Gina is, like, uh, when I'm talking to her, I get the idea that the world really is all right. Like, if you think of all the stuff that she's going through in her life, and then she, the way she talks about it, she goes, well, you know. Oh, no, she's such a happy (laughs) girl. I love love her her outlook in life. She's she's a beautiful person. She really is. And funny as hell. Yeah, it's a wonderful comedic logic, I thought, and train of thought. I love the way her brain worked. And I thought, I'd actually like to be a fly on the wall watching her being a fly on the wall, observing and commentating on life. Because I think (laughs) it's just... Wouldn't she be brilliant on a, like, one of those fly on the wall... Yeah, TV things or something. Yeah, yeah that's would. a great idea. The gags would always yeah. be about a minute behind because she'd just be thinking <laughs> what she's going to say and what the killer line would be. And a lot of the time, it would be <laughs> that thing. I think sort of there would be more something in nothing because she's just dry, isn't she? She's subtle yeah, and dry. I loved that story when she went back to work at that company uh, uh, having oh. after her transition. <laughs> that was just the best. Yeah. Can you believe the it? The best story. Yeah. And she tells it so well. It's the way you tell Maybe it. we could get her to do the next Olympics. <laughs> no, no, you know, you know what she would be brilliant at? She what? could do the uh, the commentary on uh, Eurovision, like Terry Wogan used to do, and now oh, uh, you yeah. know, now Graham Norton does it, but Gina Bloom should be like next in line. She'd be perfect. Gina at that. Bloom. <laughs> right, Gina, we've got your new gig. But what we could do is bring the Eurovision Song Contest to America. Which I have to say, I don't know that the Americans would understand it at all. There's a thing for uh, <laughs> uh, what is normal. I don't know because that, that film, the uh, the Will Fer- Ferrell um, film Eurovision, which is on Netflix now, mm. is hilarious, and the Americans love it. It's a massive hit. Well, maybe because Will Ferrell oh. did, but have you not seen it? It's hilarious. No, no. I will look uh, at he it. He plays an Icelandic. Guy. Mark doesn't like the Eurovision Song Contest. He doesn't like singing. <laughs> Germany, he doesn't he, like joviality. He, <laughs> yeah, yeah. he likes you, and he likes yeah. your singing. But he, Mark likes to, Mark for Mark a normal night in is to try and watch some detective story with a, a lady detective wearing high heels, chasing stuff. Do you know what I mean? Like just esoteric and out there. Do you know, back on the subject of what is normal, aside from like the whole smelling of sausages, which now I've decided that is normal to smell sausages after you've cooked sausages. So I don't have any doubt about that, right? (laughs) What is not normal is lady detectives do not wear high heels, people. Which detective are you talking about? He likes Castle. Have you seen Castle? Castle with the Stana, Katic, and uh, oh, there's loads of them. So you can always hear them coming, though, right? that's the problem. Yeah. Lady detectives <laughs> don't wear high heels. Yeah. We can hear you no. coming. It's as simple as that. Right. And also, like, with high heels, you have to be very careful if you're going over a grate or one of those things. Because you can, like, your heel can go right down and you would be, like, sprained ankle and I'm then sure wear the bank robbers. contaminate a crime scene as well. Right. I can also tell you that from a post-production sound point of view, the dubbing of high heels, the rhythm and everything, it's very difficult yeah. and time-consuming. You know. There you go. <laughs> We are all agreed that we stay away from high heels and detective series. Absolutely. <laughs> or detectives with high heels. I did think this what is normal, though. After speaking with Gina and hearing about her life, I think this is a great uh, recurring theme. 
maybe yeah. for, mm. for for the podcast to have different people back on this subject matter because there's no definitive answer, right? Neil, Neil, yeah. are you suggesting that we do another series? <sighs> are you crazy? Oh, I must need my f***ing head testing, and I? <laughs> yeah, I think you do, mate. I think you do. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we're not finished this one yet. No, let's we'll get this one done first. Yeah, one sake. step at a time. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that is the perfect uh, cue. So time to wrap things up, I'm afraid, team. Um, we hope you listeners have enjoyed the show as much as we have. And if you could tell a friend about us and give us a share on the socials, that we'd really, we would really appreciate it. I might even cook you a sausage. Yeah. <laughs> and join us next week uh, when our guest will be writer and advertising copywriter and a good friend of our very good friend, Neil Harrington, Paul Burke. And our topic will be consumerism. So, Absolutely. until then, yes. I have well, been Chesney Hawks. He's been Neil Harrington. She has been Lynn Ferguson. <laughs> I, I don't like the way you said has been there. Like, I, ha, I am a has been. And has been Lynn Ferguson. And has been Lynn Ferguson. <laughs> He's heterosexual. Yeah. <laughs> and the one and only Chesney Hawks. And we are all... By the way, we're all a bit mental. We are all a bit mental. This There's week. an ending. Bye-bye, See you next week. Bye. 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 You've been listening to We're All A Bit Mental with Chesney Hawks, Lynn Ferguson, Brandon Block and Neil Harrington. Produced and edited for Source Productions by Neil Harrington with plenty of help from Lynn, Ches and Brandon.